Praise God. Would you turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter number 9? 2 Samuel chapter number 9. Forgive this old hoarse voice. 2 Samuel chapter 9. I'm going to begin reading at verse number 1. Just a few verses here. 2 Samuel chapter 9. The Bible said, And David said, Is there yet any any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? There was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. When they had called unto him, David the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. I just got a title for this tonight. You'll hear me all the way through. The king came for him. Would you reach your hand this way and pray for me tonight? Father, we love you and praise you. We need you exceedingly. We pray for your anointing, your power, your authority, that the Spirit of the Lord minister unto us to both to speak. I pray anoint us to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church here in this hour we're alive. I'll give you glory, Lord. I thank you for the grand and the great privilege to be in your house in this great church under this great leadership. I thank you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would deal with us, help us, strengthen us, and empower us. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody would say amen and amen. Am I supposed to At a time. Come on here. Oh, you get somebody out of town. You know what a big shot is? Is a little shot got out of town. So I'm trying to big shot around here, but uh, we will get this going a little bit. The king came to him down in the the Bible said in the verse number thirteen. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem. For though that he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. Down in the barren land, the Bible brings us of Lodibar. Because where, where Mephibosheth was found, he is the son, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, who hated and tried to kill David. Many of you remember through the word how Saul had become such a, uh, or David becomes such an enemy in the eyes of Saul that Saul began to hate him, began to hunt him like a wild animal. And then in and the battlefields that Saul was killed, we find that David has taken the throne. And now down in this barren land of Lodibar, where Mephibosheth is, is at the age of five, if you go back to the first book of Samuel, it says news came of Saul and Jonathan's death. And when the news came of Saul and Jonathan's death, the nurse of Mephibosheth took him up in a haste, in a rush, and in such a mannerism that they might be killed or taken hostage that they accidentally fell and made him lame on his feet. Then the Bible seems to back away from Mephibosheth and no more is heard. What I've found through uh, learning that there was some 20 years later that now David is calling and seeking out for one of the sons of Saul or the sons of Jonathan that he can show kindness to. And the, down in Lodibar, down in verse 3 again, and the king said, 
Is there not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God unto him? Dibba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Mecher, the son of Amal and Lodibar. And King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Mecher, son of Amal from Lodibar. When we look at this, I just had a mindset, a visual of the circumstances, the things that was taking place, that that day and hour, when you look back in those ancient days and culture was uh, many ways very cruel, very barbaric. And if kings in some ways saw you to be a threat, they saw you to be some kind of means of, of a problem in the future that they would just either reduce or remove you, imprison you, or, 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 or take your head. And those kings that come to power would many times kill all the sons of a previous king to keep from any uprisings that might come later, that might cause a problem in the kingdom. Amen. There was not all at all unusual in these ancient kingdoms and ancient kings. Judgment was given far more, amen, than mercy was given. So it's very easy to realize what Mephibosheth is seeing. When you look at this, and my mind goes to wondering and seeing how it's played out. When you look at Mephibosheth, it's very easy to think that he had thoughts such as, what is the king coming for me? Amen. Why does, what does he want with me? You find that this, this young man, he's around 25 years of age now, most likely. And the king had searched out Mephibosheth, probably terrified when he heard and got word that the king's in search of any signs of Saul. I've done, done, somebody said that you're alive, Mephibosheth. And, and here we find, and you think that probably the thoughts in his mind is, I'm a dead man. I, I, my days are numbered. It's, it's trouble for me. Amen. And the king has searched the land. Mephibosheth's thinking, and he's looking for the posterity of Saul. And he's going to eliminate the threat. He's going to remove me from ever being a problem to him. And Mephibosheth's got all these thoughts rolling through his mind. Amen. And you find here, when you, when you get there, that, that, that the king found him in the barren land, a loady bar. That word means pastureless. It's, it's barren. It's, it's not got enough grass to keep grasshoppers alive. It's, it's so barren that, uh, only those in somewhat refuge are, are, are sunk into such a place to live. And the king searched out this land and Lord, or Mephibosheth's probably thinking, has my life not been hard enough? Has things not been harsh enough for me? Have I not suffered enough? Here I am lame for these 20 years. I've not lived a life like another young man. I've not, I've not had the privileges of others and I'm, I'm living out here, have nothing. Amen. There's, there's not much of my life. I'm, I'm, I'm staying with somebody else and now must I be slain? Because of the acts of my ancestors. I just ask us tonight, how many have been the victims of circumstances? Things that you didn't have no control over. Situations that rose up in your life. 
And there was nothing that you created. There was nothing you stirred up about it. You was looking for no trouble, but trouble seemed to found you. I mean, you was wanting no problems, but seemed like the problems fell upon your life. And I'm looking at this young man. He's asking questions. Why must this be? I say to you, amen, as he thought that king sought to do him evil. That was not the desire of the man after God's own heart. Amen. He was not like other kings. He was not like Saul. He was not like other ancient kings. He wasn't looking to annihilate and to destroy the descendants of Saul. He wasn't looking to kill Mephibosheth. He wasn't looking to do him harm. The king came for him. Amen. And it had good intentions and good motives. And David it said in verse number three that I may show kindness amen of God unto him I can tell you folks if our world can see the kindness of God in the streets again amen if they can see the good works of God again we're in an hour now it's a dog eat dog I'm telling you we're in a world gone mad lost disparage but in all of that let the church be the church amen let the child of God amen as Pastor Lee has been saying let this church be on the streets what it is in these seats here amen and be the vessel and the extended hand of god almighty amen that world's been beat up knocked around i tell you the love of god to be the very thing that breaks through yeah. i told the story many times watch the documentary jeffrey Dahmer slaughtered multiplied people Finally caught up with him. When they caught up with him, they put him on trial. They put him on trial. I watched at that trial, the documentary, there would be women, mothers and fathers that would come up and rail on him and curse him. And would, if they could have got a hold of him with their hands, they would have choked him. I, I mean, they had such a burning fury in them. And you, and you take in consideration he took some of their sons and their daughters and they was hurt and they was, there was deep, deep pain. But none of that moved Jeffrey Dahmer. It's almost like he gleaned from it. It's almost like he absorbed it and he enjoyed it. But there was one old man that come and he stood and he addressed Jeffrey Dahmer. He said, you took my daughter, my only daughter. He's an old, older man. He said, you took my only daughter. You changed my whole life. You, you changed everything about what we are. You have ruined our life. But the God that I serve says that I must forgive you. Amen. And that man said today, though what all the evil that you have bestowed upon my family and the hurt and the pain, today I forgive you. And I'll tell you, friends, amen, he took the lashing, the beating of the brow, every hard, mean word. But when that man said, I forgive you, that lip started quivering. Amen. I'm telling you, he moved in. I'm not, I'm not trying to, amen, take you to a, a place that that's not right i'm just saying amen there's one thing in this world that moved that world it is forgiveness and the love of jesus christ amen amen you get slapped you slap back there's not going to be any move but if you show them the love of jesus friend i'm telling you you'll win a multitude of christ and that king has searched the land 
Amen. And David said that I may show the kindness of God unto him. Mephibosheth did not expect the kindness of God through this king or even his interest. And so many of our culture liken God ready to smash us to powder. Ready at any moment. He's so angry and so mad at us that he's going to smash us to powder if we get near to him. That he's a hard taskmaster. Oh, no. Amen. Not so. Amen. That because of our past failings, of our family history, that we can never be accepted of God. God would never let me in his family. God would never accept me. God would never receive me. Amen. But if we will come, I believe this, if we would come, Despite all of what we've been, all that we've done, and we lay aside and come surrendering our personal diagnosis of everything and our personal analysis of everything and totally submit to Jesus Christ, you know what he'll do? He will accept you as you are, and he will accept you with what you have, and he'll accept you with what you know. How can you prove that, the Apostle Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12? For if there First be a willing mind. God said it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. I tell you folks, I'm glad I didn't have have to have a resume. I'm glad I didn't have to clean me up and fix me because I couldn't fix me. If I could fix me, God sent his son. Amen. It didn't work out. Amen. God sent his son because I couldn't fix what needed to be fixing. But when I... not to. Had a terrible experience one time when I was very young. I don't even like talking about it. But I found that I need to. Probably said it two or three different times in my life. Had a very terrible experience when I was young. Probably 10 to 12. I don't know. I just blocked it out of my mind for many years. I love God supremely. I played a no flat top probably somebody gave me. Pastor loved me. I'd break strings. Didn't have money to buy them. He'd say, you just keep playing, and I'll buy the strings. And I, I was so terrible, I'd have to watch my older brother change keys and chords. I didn't know nothing. But I was just worshiping the Lord one time. I didn't know. I was a kid. And I was worshiping God over here on this side on the platform. And I don't know. What I, my best, and a man come to me and grabbed me real, real stern by the arm and pulled me to the corner. And he said, "If you're going to act like that, you get off this platform." And I did. I got off the platform and I got out of church and I backslid and I went very dark and and for many years I just I just quit God because I really thought that I had misbehaved. I thought that I had done something wrong and God had to use this man to tell me I was wrong and and I just felt like I wasn't accepted and for many many years I just I was out and, and just wasted years because I thought God was mad at me and God had I, I was doing everything wrong and 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 he wouldn't accept me but do you know when I was 20 25 year old I got married and I was 25 and when 26, me and my wife both got saved. And when I got saved, I found the king coming for me again. Uh, come on now. 
I, I, I found out as the king came from Mephibosheth that felt like he was a nothing and a nobody. Hey, man, you know, you get rejected and knocked out and slapped down, especially when you're a little kid. It can really mess you up. Hey, man, but when Jesus just received me back into his arms, all those multiplied years later, what I realized, I wasn't the one messed up. That guy's the one that messed up. Hey, man, I wasn't doing anything wrong. It was he that just nearly killed somebody and aborted somebody. Hey, man, I'm just telling you, folks. Hey, man, I seen a little girl on the platform many, many months back just singing, and she looked over at me like, am I doing all right? She, she wasn't singing very very good. Not yet. She will though. Hey, Amen. She wasn't singing real good right yet. But I can tell you it's coming. Hey, Amen. And she looked over at me like, am I doing all right, Brother Mike? Am I doing? I'm telling you, you know what I've done? Oh, I promise you, I didn't grab her by the arm and sling her up. We're looking in the world, folks. Amen. Jesus ain't trying to run you out. Jesus is trying to draw you in his house. He said, if you'll first have a willing mind, is it accepted? It's accepted according to that a man hath. Not what you don't have. I can tell you today, the king came for me. And I promise you today, he showed kindness to me. And I'll never let nobody throw me out again. Come on now. Amen. I'll never let nobody throw me out again. Amen. There's a lot of things goes on in church. Things don't just suit us sometimes. We're gone. I can tell you, you need to be hung on with a bulldog grip. Ain't nothing can knock you out. Amen. I'm telling you, in this hour and this day, if something can knock you, if the devil can knock you out, he's going to knock you out. But if you get a hold of Jesus, I mean really get a hold of Jesus, amen, let the hellhounds slip at your heels. But you'll still stand and walk and live and abide because you found something greater than that earth could ever give you. It's the Lord Jesus. Amen. I've got to hurry. The king came. Amen. Also for Abimelech. Mephibosheth, God was prompting David, amen, to go to get him. Not only for the reason that he sought Mephibosheth, amen, to show kindness to the sons of Saul. The other reason, because there was a covenant. There was a covenant that was made. David was in a covenant with Jonathan. That's I've said all that to get to right here. David was in a covenant with Jonathan, Amen. You remember the story? David's quandering if he's to go back, if Saul's going to kill him. And he made a deal with Jonathan. And they'll shoot arrows if they go so far. I'm telling you, David, you better run on. He's going to kill you if they don't otherwise. Well, you know the story. David's going to have to leave. Saul's going to try to kill him. And Jonathan and him come together. They're knit together so beautifully. And the Bible said in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 42, And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace for as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord be between me 
and me. But listen to what he does now. He brings in the next generation between my seed and thy seed. Now a covenant is established. Amen. God, he, God has prompted David not only to show kindness to the sons of Saul, amen, but reminded him of the covenant that he had made with Jonathan some 20 years earlier. It didn't matter that Mephibosheth was lame. It didn't matter that he lived down in Baron Lodibar. It didn't matter that he was living with somebody, couldn't pay the bills, couldn't make rent. It didn't matter. Why? Because there's a covenant with dad and King David. And David's going to honor that covenant because God's moving in him now. And there was a covenant made that he became the recipient thereof. Not only did the king come for him, David says in verse 7, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness. For Jonathan thy father's sake, there's the covenant, and will restore thee all the land of Saul. Thy father and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. You know how much land he gave him? He gave him all the inher- all the land of Saul. It took 15 sons and 20 servants. Amen. Uh, this man that's going to take over. And he's going to bring all the fruit, all the corn, all the, all the things of that field into Mephibosheth. And the king came from Mephibosheth. He was lame. He was fearful. He was poor. He was living on somebody else's dollar. But the king yet came for him. I'm what you're saying. I'm saying you don't go so far. You don't get so deep that the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ can reach down and grab a hold of us and put us back on the solid rock again. Twenty sons, twenty servants and fifteen sons. But now that the king found him, All that land of Saul has been restored to him, and the servants are to care for it, bring him the fruit of it. And he shall continually sit and eat of that royal table of David. Why? Because there was a covenant. The king came for him. I thank God for these scriptures. Because these this word, this passage, locks us in that God's word is faithful. God's word does not ever fail. There's there there's there's a sense over our land as me and Pastor Lee was talking earlier. There's there's almost a sense, a, a feeling in our land, no matter if it's Louisiana or Arkansas or Florida, that that there's something right up the road that we're going to have to deal with. Something that we're going to have to face. Something that we're going to have to encounter right up the road. I, I, there's just something in our spirits showing and, and telling us and building us up. But you know what I like? I like to think if God got me right here, if God got me right here in the very timeline that we're alive right now, then God's able to get me through whatever's coming up the road and get me ready for that rapture call. Brother, sister, right around the corner. He's about to come. Amen. We're right at the door of the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ and I thank God that we're there. But I can tell you, whatever that we'll face between here and there, whatever it took to get us here is enough to get us on across every mountain, every struggle, every battle, every every difficulty, and every situation that'll come against us. Fulfilled all the words David said you can sit and eat at the royal table. 
Because there's a covenant. The king came for him and fulfilled all the words of the covenant. Can I share with you another covenant? It is the covenant of the saints of old. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13, the Bible said, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were just strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Let me read verse, stay with me, I want to read verse 14. Verse 14 says, if I can get there. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Amen. That last verse said, God hath prepared for them a city. Can we agree here tonight that if God prepares a city, he's going to get us to that city? Come on. Amen. If God has prepared a city for the saints of old, amen, you can bet God's going to get them to that city. But all of the sainted dead, this is what I want to say to us tonight, all of the sainted dead at death did not go to that city. Amen. No, sir. You probably know, but they went and they were held in a place called Abraham's bosom. Paradise is there in the lower parts of the earth. You find in the book of Luke chapter 16, 19 down through 31, the story of a rich man and Lazarus. The rich man, him and Lazarus desired the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. But he didn't get them. And the rich man died. The Bible said the rich man died, or the or Lazarus died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died, lifted up his eyes in hell. And this place called Abraham's bosom, the 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 rich man called out to Abraham, you remember in that 16th chapter, and said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. But Abraham said, Son, amen, there's this great gulf that's between us and Lazarus can't come to you. And there was a great gulf fixed between Abraham's bosom and hell. And before Christ was born, that we could follow him and the saints of old could follow him, all the saints of old lived and died looking for him to come. But Apostle Paul writes this, all died in faith. Not having received the promise, but seeing it afar off. What are you saying? Can I tell you there was a great inquiry at the entry of Abraham's bosom. You can know that there was a great inquiry. Every time a new person showed up at the entry of Abraham's bosom. And I'm sure that they was met by Abraham in the greatest question that Abraham would give them was, have you seen the promise? We have a covenant with God. We've died in faith, but we have 
a covenant. And when all the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, had arrived in Abraham's bosom, then they began inquiring of the prophets. Whenever a prophet would show up, they would ask, have you seen the promise? When Moses got there, they asked Moses, have you seen the promise? No, I just brought the law. God didn't let me go across the river, amen, to obtain the promised land. So I, I didn't I didn't see the promise. When he got to Joshua, Joshua, have you seen the promise? No, Abraham, I've not seen him. When he got to Samuel, Samuel, have you anointed him in the promise? No, I poured my anointing oil upon the sweet psalmist of Israel. But David showed up. David, he asked David, David, have you seen the Christ? No, Abraham, I ain't seen the Christ. Amen. And all through the, through the Old Testament from Ezra, Nehemiah, have you seen him? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, surely the prophets have seen him. Daniel, have you seen the promise? No, no, I've not seen him. I do know that he's coming. Amen. Malachi went all the way. Micah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Malachi, have you seen the promise? No, but I know when he comes, there'll be healing in his wings. And all of these prophets, all of these men of old that had the promises of God, that all died in their faith, not received the promise, but seeing it afar off, every new arrival of Abraham's bosom, amen, was met with a greater and a larger congregation and a greater desire. After 400 years from Malachi prophesying of him that there was a man found in the Bible, in the Gospels, by the name of Simeon. Simeon, by the Holy Ghost, had been told. You find the story. In the, in the book of Luke, chapter 2, he was told the story that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord, the Christ. Amen. In Luke, chapter 2, in verse 26, what's he doing? He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. He had been led by the Spirit. Brother, sister, I promise you, God's true to His Word. Amen. I said God's true to His Word. Every jot and every tittle, heaven and earth may pass away, but the Word of God is going to stand forever. Amen. Every word that's ever been promised to the child of God is still yea and amen. There's nothing been omitted. There's nothing been dismissed. There's nothing been erased. The promises of God are still in effect today. And this man, Simeon, amen, all of this time frame, he's been an old man now. He's been promised of God by the Holy Ghost that when he was, he was, before he would see the, before he'd die, he'd see the Lord's Christ. And he had been led by the Spirit in the temple and when the when the parents brought in the child Jesus come on here now amen when the parents brought in the child Jesus it is said that Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said Lord now let me or let us thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word for mine eyes have seen thy salvation I want to say to you I doubt if Simeon made it through the night I doubt if Simeon lived to see the daylight because God's got a man now. He's got a messenger. He's got to get the word to Abraham's bosom. And I promise you folks, Amen. If Simeon lived through the night, it's a mystery to me. But when he gave up the ghost, when he folded up those legs in the bed, 
And he gave up the ghost. And he come into the entry of Abraham's bosom. Abraham asked him, Simeon, have you seen the consolation of Israel? And Simeon said, Abraham, I've locked him in my arms. Abraham, I've held him in my arms. Amen. Amen. Then was the, the, let me breathe. better know that hell heard the celebration. You sure better know that Abraham's bosom come alive. Abraham's bosom, when they heard that our king, our king is alive, he, our king is born on the earth. Do you know thousands of years had passed, but yet they held to the promise of what God said to them. Thousands of years, 400 years between the Testaments. Amen. And they're still holding to the promises of God. Why? Because they cannot fail. Amen. They cannot fail. The promises that God has gave us in the word of the Lord, they are yea and amen. They are as effective today as Jesus walked on the streets of Jerusalem, friend. And Simeon said, Abraham, let everybody know I've held that baby Christ in my arms and he's alive and he's in Israel today. One that broke the 400-year silence. Amen. Announced this Christ and the messengers. Amen. Began to come. Amen. And John came in to Abraham's bosom. You find, remember John the Baptist. When he come on the scene, there was a 400-year silence, and that silence was broke with a man that come out of the wilderness like a wild man. Eating honey and wild locusts, dressed in a leather girdle, bearded, hairy all over. I'm telling you, that's a that's that's that, that's quite a persona. But he come out of that wilderness. You know what he's saying? He had the message. He had been baptized in the Holy Ghost before he even come on this earth. And when he got on this earth and he come out of that wilderness, amen, he come out saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. Do you know that Jesus come preaching, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He sent out 70 disciples saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. No doubt there's a Wednesday night service last week here of repentance. Why? Because we're the last. If they started with repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How much more should the church of Jesus Jesus Christ have the same message at the end. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John, come out of that wilderness, baptizing in the Jordan River, giving everybody the same dose, no matter what they was. But there came a day that he saw Jesus coming. And when he saw Jesus coming, he said something that had never been uttered before. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. That Israelite knew the verbiage. What John was saying, he didn't say, Behold, a lamb. He said, Behold, the lamb. 
And he said, going to take away, amen, the sin of the world, not sin plural, but sin singular, meaning the definite article of sin, the whole thing. He's not just going to hit this sin, he'll get it all. Amen, you don't have to go to an altar, amen, and pray, God, forgive me, I'm a thief, I'm this, I'm that. I'm just go and ask God, I'm a sinner. I need the grace and the blood of Jesus, amen, applied to my life. And the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, takes away all the sin of the world. John said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And John's word said, I must decrease and he must increase. He said to Herod, It's not lawful to have your brother's wife and his head come off in a charger. And when his head come off in a charger, he's coming into Abraham's bosom, the entry door. And he's coming in. Brother, he ain't got his head under his shoulder. It's sitting on his shoulder, or under his arm. He's sitting on his shoulders. You don't go in lame. You don't go in beat. I'm telling you, he went in with a full body. And they said to Abraham, said, John, have you seen him? He said, Abraham, I introduced him out there at the Jordan River. I'm telling you, he's on the earth. He's preaching the gospel and he's right on my heels. Brother, don't you know? Amen. Abraham's bosom said, my God, he's a coming soon, but there was yet one more, that one more was a one that come and is known as an unknown man came and Abraham said, son, what is your name? He said, sir, my name is redeemed. I, I was a thief a few hours ago. I was bound to hell. There wasn't no help for me, but I found the man in the middle. Amen. I cried out to him, Lord, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And that man said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Oh, you ought to praise him. I tell you, you ought to praise him. No, I was bouncing around. I've done holler. I said, when I get in Baton Rouge, I'm not going to holler. I did. I've been practicing up home. I'm going to holler. Here I've done hollered out. I was, I was uh, back home, and I was, one of those days I was foaming at the mouth and just bouncing through, and uh, I'd come through about the middle. I said, just out of the, out of thin air, I said, Jesus didn't say in in the grave in the tomb three days. I said, uh oh, what am I going to say now? And about the time that come out. Amen. This scripture come to me. That thief said, Jesus said to me, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Brother, sister, amen. When that thief walked in, Abraham said, what's your name? I can't tell you nothing, but my name is redeemed. I am redeemed. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I am a redeemed man. Why? Because the man in the middle said, thou shalt be with me in paradise today. So he come in. And he said, where is he at? He said, John introduced him as the Lamb of God. I'm introducing you, Abraham, to the king that's came for you today. The covenant. That thief said, the king that you've been waiting for has come for you too, Abraham. 
He's come for everybody in this place. Now, the covenant that I want to end on is the covenant of the last day's church. To a world that has lost its way, has lost its bearings. Ain't none of us can realize that we're not in a world that we wasn't in when we was a kid. Not the same world we're living in now. Dangers, I heard the report from Pastor this this morning about the crime rate, the gangs. It's dangerous to go get groceries. Dangerous almost to, to release your kids to school. It's dangerous to go down the highway because we live in a world like we didn't used to live in. Your parents went to bed with the windows up, the doors unlocked. We're not, we're not in that hour anymore. It's a very dangerous, Paul said, the perilous times in these last days. And I say to this church, in the last days, there's a covenant. That's the greatest covenant. And to the world, to the church, amen, the church of Jesus Christ, that John chapter 14 said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not true, I'd have told you so. Thank God he said, if I go away, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Brother, sister, that's a great covenant to know. Jesus said, if I go away, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself. And he said this, whether I go, you know. And the way you know. And then John Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we don't know whether that was, and how can we know the way? Jesus summed up the covenant and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Brother, he's as real today as he spoke it to Thomas in that hour. And there's another in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. says this, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain Unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Can you imagine such a sight? Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, brother. That makes me happy. Amen. Don't know that ain't going to be this way. The devil ain't going to run roughshod over the church all from now on there's a redeemer coming there's a covenant that we have with God it may look like it's over from the worldview, but the word of God said everything going just on schedule and Jesus Christ is about to come get his body called the church but he said in that 18th verse in this encouraged conference he said in 18 wherefore comfort encourage one another with these words what words tell everybody that you see Amen. Jesus, our Lord, is about to come again. The King is coming. 
King is coming. He's coming for you. He come from Mephibosheth, King David, from Abraham all the way to John, to Jesus, dying on the cross. He come for Abraham's bosom. And he said in chapter, or verse 4 of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, that he's going to keep the promise. John 14 said, if I go away, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. It's very easy in this world. Amen. You know, you go to, you go to church, you feel like you could, you could go devil hunting with a switch. You get out on that, in that, in that job, in that world, and there's all things just pulling, pulling the life out of you, trying to pull the life out of you and put doubt and fear and unbelief in you. Amen. But the Word of God, I just want you to know the Word of God is going to keep this covenant. And friends, we're right, we're right, right around the curve, right over the hill. He's coming. He's coming. And please believe me, God's going to keep his covenant. The king is coming for you and I. The king is coming. And I thank God. Amen. Brother Lee said we may not make it to morning. We've got to live with that kind of anticipation. We've got to live in that kind of world. I tell people, they say, you really believe he'd come tonight? I do. I believe he'd come tonight. You know why? Because if you believe he could come tonight, you'll live like you come tonight. You'll go to bed like you could come tonight. Jesus, our Lord. Amen. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us, but he's about to take us home. I asked Brother Lee coming over here. I said to some people sometime back, I said, could you think of anything else on the world scene that Jesus could show us to make us understand any more clear than we're seeing today that he's about to be here? We're about to meet God. We're about to meet him. Every fiber, there's something going on in me. I believe you too. There's just, there's just something. We're feeling something a little different in the church, in the body now. The body of Christ is feeling something in their life. We've not felt days, years back. I believe Jesus is getting this body all over this world. You know, there's, there's churches in every country in this world that love God just like we do. I mean, it's just it's not an Amer- just American thing. It's a world thing. Jesus is calling us. We're running out of daylight. And whatever we're going to do, we must do quickly. Time is of the essence right now. I preached a message sometime back, get the family in. I bet you you could raise your hands today. Everybody in here would say, you got family members that's not living for God. In the most trying time in American in our in our in our lifetime, the most trying time. You know what? On the world saying, it's very very possible and very very likely it's going to get more intense right up the road. But Jesus will be just as real. And as I said a while ago, whatever it took to get us here, Jesus trusted you and I. To be this last church on planet earth right now. He trusted us with the the awesome responsibility of it. He's laid it in our hands. That final generation laid a baton in our hand. 
And I think sometimes from heaven's point of view, some of our ancestry is saying, run, run. You could only see how close to the finish line. We'd not go home tonight. We'd stay here. We'd pray for our people in. If we could only see how close from God's viewpoint, how close we are. Amen. I want you to know he's faithful. He will keep the covenant and the king. As well as King David came from Mephibosheth, as well as the king came for Abraham's bosom, he's coming for his church. Would you stand with me? Father, we love you tonight. I thank you so much. I want you singers come, please. I love you so much, Jesus. I'm asking you, Lord, that you would stir the hearts of this precious people. They would fall in these altars and call on you, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Let the groanings.